Everything in life is story. Story is how we share ideas, politics, vision, fantasies, experiences, even our hopes and dreams. The Gibson Gazette is a podcast show devoted to story. Those we consume, those we tell ourselves, and those told to us. Welcome. How are you doing, AMC? Hey, hello, hello. I'm doing well. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Trying to keep my head above water. You know the deal. You know. Uh, For our newcomers, I am L. Michael Gibson, or LMG, and this is my co-host, Anne-Marie Collymore, or AMC. Uh, And welcome to the Gibson Gazette. So let's just jump right in. What stories have you been consuming over the last two weeks that you want our audiences to know about and that we're not going to go too deep about today, but you just want to make sure we touched on? There's so many, but for some reason, this one stuck in my head because I was like, this is kind of, I don't know, comedic in a weird way. Um, But so I I clicked a a link on Rolling Stone and there was an article about Dave Chappelle, our good friend, Dave Chappelle. Now, hmm, yeah, I was raised exactly. Um, the, 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 The title of this article was Dave Chappelle's Latest Achievement. Helping kill an affordable housing development plan. How? I Okay, so I clicked the article, and wouldn't you know, it was not clickbait. Because really, that's what I thought it was. So apparently, uh, Dave threatened to pull out all of his business ventures from his hometown. So he's from um, Yellow Springs, Ohio. Uh, if the plans for this particular development for a housing, um, affordable housing, uh, wasn't squashed. Doesn't it, it, it doesn't it sound? It, well, so. before you, you might, well, so before you go on that, you know, I posted the same story. Um, it, it was oh, the headline you? around the world. Um, uh-huh. and there was video of Dave at the council meeting, essentially right. threatening, right? Mm-hmm. But, a couple of my followers did some deeper investigation and found that the deal might have been shysty, right? And that they might be Ah. using Dave Chappelle's as an excuse. So, you know, what Chappelle's camp is saying is that, and he hasn't released a formal statement, so this is coming through like surrogates. Right, Um, right. So are saying that um, the deal, it wasn't the issue as affordable housing. The issue was that it wasn't as affordable as they were making out, that the construction wasn't what, you know, wasn't the quality or wasn't what they were, mm-hmm. um, you know, advocating for. Um, and that the overall development plan really was not going to benefit those most in need the way that it was being portrayed. And so okay. because it wasn't what, so, yeah, so because it wasn't what, um, you know, and again, you know, we haven't heard from the other parties. Like we've only heard kind of like this original story that blames Dave Chappelle for killing this deal, um, and making it so that only it cause it would sound like a NIMBY story, right? Like it sounded not in my backyard story. And that right. Dave was kind of like being this rich, um, Scrooge yes. McDuck kind of situation. Uh, right. Exactly. Right. Um, which exactly. is, you know, we're given Dave's, uh, supposed politics 
around these issues. Um, and now some people was like, oh, well, this isn't really a black issue because this town, well, actually the town from my understanding from people who live there is mm-hmm. um, not entirely white. It does have some diversity and it's near Dayton, Ohio, which is a very right. black city. Um, so mm-hmm. there would have been some, you know, some black benefits for this affordable housing deal going through. That said, you know, it doesn't seem like everything we were told up front in the initial stories might be what it is. So I think this might be a hold on to your hats, folks. Let's get more information. I'm not a Dave Chappelle fan anymore. I was for years. I, um, you know, as a LGBTQ plus um, individual mm-hmm. and advocate, um, his last few specials rubbed me definitely the wrong way. Um, I was definitely right. not a fan of The Closer. I've written about that, about my thoughts on The Closer. Um, so, you know, I, not going to lie, I was biased against Dave and wanted to believe the story. And, you know, essentially my my caption to the post was, we told you he was trash. Oh, shame. Yeah, but it might not. He might still be trash, but he just not is NIMBY trash. Like he's not trash on particularly maybe this issue. So right, I think we have right. I think in the next day or two, or maybe by the time this podcast hits your door, we'll have gotten more information and um, cleaned I up so. that particular issue. Because that was yeah, I was gonna end with that because I'm like this just it sounds a bit too good to you know what I mean? Like the story came out and I'm reading and I'm like this is very one sided. That was one. But on the other hand, I was like, okay, but this happened at a specific place. And I'm sure, well, you told me that there's video about it, but I did not see the video. So I didn't see the link that um, that you had posted. Uh, but just reading about it, I said, I know this man has, you know, he thinks a certain way and he has a certain air and, and thing about him, but I don't think he's that dude. I'm hoping he's not that dude. Right. So I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. But it's a story that I wanted to continue following because I wanted to hear what else was going to come out about this, because this can't just be it. Right. So mm-hmm. as you stated, um, yeah, there's a lot more behind there. I definitely um, I'm going to keep my eye on this because I, I want to hear who has to say what as we proceed with this thing here. Yeah, I think that um, there are a lot of folks, progressives like myself, who already are predisposed to not like Dave and you know, kind of had saw blood in the water um, mm-hmm. and attacked, right, at the first sign that, you know, and there did seem to be evidence that, you know, because he did, I mean, on its face, what they're saying is not not true, right? Mm-hmm. He did threaten to pull his business. Um, but some of the resources, I mean, my understanding from kind of the follow-up information that I received was that some of the resources that are actually paying for this deal Mm-hmm. come through like a community development corporation or something that he had made investments in. So this is part of his money that's being used to pay for this deal. Um, so he does get to have a say in how his money is being used, but it wasn't, an, it doesn't seem to be the NIMBY story that we thought it was. But, right. you know, again, right. we'll, we'll, we'll keep abreast. I mean, and I also think that there's like Dave moving to a small, predominantly white town in Ohio um, that's conservative, that's kind of Trump land, as he himself has talked about, um, does raise, you know, it makes you think automatically, oh, he's probably been influenced. Um, and we've seen some of that influence on his comedy already, right, mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. by the place that he's chosen to live and raise his family, um, which is not like one of the progressive enclaves um, in the country. So I think that there, there 
there was enough uh, bias to both conscious and unconscious <laughs> there to make folks want to like jump on their stories. But um, so we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. Um, yeah, definitely. What do you as for time? myself, I'm enjoying the return of my baby. I would, I, I, if I had remembered, I would have brought my baby to the camera. My baby Grogu, better known oh, as Baby gosh. Yoda. Yes, you I have an anim- hang. I have an animatronic Grogu. I do. <gasps> I, 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 I bought one. Of, I, I bought it when it was still in being developed. Uh, you know, I was a pre <laughs> early investor. <laughs> I wanted my animatronic Grogu. Um, oh, so yeah, I, I, I love my Baby Yoda. Um, but anyway, for so those cute. who are not. <laughs> we may not know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, Disney Plus streamer uh, has uh, two shows that now star Grogu. And uh, one is The Mandalorian and the other is The Book of Boba Fett um, and uh, Boba Fett. And, and, and that second show, um, Grogu appears in the last two episodes along with his guardian, The Mandalorian. Um, and they literally rescued that show. So the show started very slow. It's a slow burn. It's much oh, more man. of a Western than a, sp- a, a space opera. Um, me. You know, it and, and these two characters that are very beloved for their own show um, helped to rescue the book of Boba Fett because um, that it, it was feeling aimless in direction. Um, again, more committed to the Western genre than the space opera motifs of the Star Wars franchise. Um, it wasn't always clear what the purpose of this show was. Um you know, starring this cult following character that was like a minor character um, who wasn't particularly impactful or meaningful to me in the franchise, but for some reason, lots of fanboys and girls kind of clung to. Um, and still, I gave the show a shot because I really love The Mandalorian, and it stars Ming Ne Wen, who was made famous through Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, she's underutilized in the series uh, through a character that feels a bit too reminiscent of her character on S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, which Aww. makes me worry a little bit about her being typecast in the future as kind of like this Asian woman fighter person who's me mugs her way through every scene. Um, but anyway, the last two episodes start both uh, my baby and the Mandalorian. And so all is right with the world. Um, and the second to the last episodes also showed us um, Mark Hamill, who's Luke Skywalker. But Luke Skywalker, when he was the same age he was in the original Star Wars trilogy, some, you know, over 35 years ago, 40 years ago, um, with some extended scenes. Like, these weren't like a hologram or something like that. These were like long scenes with Grogu, um, thanks to CGI. And it was both creepy and kick-ass and uh, (laughs) made me wonder about the future of acting in CGI because they literally recreated who Luke Skywalker was, gave him an entirely different script that he had never spoken before and um and it looked real like it was seamless you could not tell him from anything else in the scene um so nice nice and creepy (laughs) 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 you know uh, just a little creepy um overall the last two episodes provided the series a much needed kick in the pants and made the whole series as Worth watching. Um, so I'm a little dis- oh you sh- okay. So it is worth watching because now I'm disappointed. It is Where's worth watching the western. You know yeah. already I'm not a western person, but I'm, I'm I'm big on the whole Star Wars you know background and Boba Fett and whatnot. So I started the Mandalorian. I'm still not finished yet, and I love it. But 
it got me from the beginning. It was a little slow at the beginning, but then it picked up for me. If this is mm. like a Western and it's slow, that's a double whammy for me. So I can't wait till like the last two episodes for it to start popping. Yeah, they really lean into the Western aspects of it, like the last three or so episodes. If It feels more like Star Wars in the earlier episodes, but it, again, it starts really slow. It's about, mm. you know, if, particularly if you're not really familiar with this character um, and don't like have... Um, you know, warm and fuzzy feelings about it. You know, I walk. I came into it kind of like I vaguely remember who Boba Fett was. Um, mm-hmm. I vaguely, I'm not sure if I care about this character. <laughs> like, make me care about this character. But I felt that way about the Mandalorian too, right? Like, I was like, I don't know what this character is. Make me, make me love him. Yeah, but he was badass um, from Jump. <laughs> <coughs> oh, excuse me. And figured out how to make it seem like he. Um, was I mean his acting? He the, like the actor has to Pedro has to act behind this mask, and we don't get to see any facial expressions or anything, and he makes it work. He like does, you yeah. get the feeling, you get the sincerity, you get who this character is without ever seeing his face, which is crazy. Uh, but mm-hmm. he pulls that acting feat off. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of the Mandalorian, and you know I give Boba Fett. B minus C plus. Will you watch a second season if it comes through? If there is one, I don't know if there will be. um, If if my baby gonna be back, yeah, (laughs) it's not all about your baby. It's all all about my baby. (laughs) And they and they got into it. There's like the people are watching for this baby. They're not watching for this other stuff that's going on. (laughs) Give me the baby. (laughs) Oh gosh. All right. So, um, we'll just give us a reminder. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share on whatever platform you're listening to or watching us on. Also, comment or review where possible so that we can climb the charts of the various platform algorithms this show is on. And yes. now we're going to go to our next segment, Loving It. So, yes. what are you Wanna loving? What am I loving? You know what? I'm really curious to know why no one is speaking about blind spotting. Has like did everybody chat about it the first season and it just went over my head? I don't know, but I am in love with blind spotting. I love the show. Um I'm going to give a little backstory. This is the short form, of course, y'all. So, this um TV show is a spin-off from the original movie. Uh, that came out in 2018, if, I, if I'm correct. And it was written and produced by ra- writer, actor, and showrunner uh, Rafael Cesar and Tony and Grammy Award-winning actor David Diggs, who we know as Mr. Blackish, Rainbow's brother, uh, Johan, and as um, Marquis de Lafayette, okay? Don't think me on my French. It's kind of rusty. And uh, (laughs) Thomas Jefferson in Hamilton. So um, the movie now was about a parolee and um, he had three days left on his sentence to, and he witnessed a police shooting that kind of comes in between him and his lifelong friendship. So it's two best friends, um, Miles and Colin. So it's based in Oakland area and it addresses issues of um, police violence, gentrification and racism. So the television show now, it picks up six months after the film. And it's a comedy drama, and it follows the life of Ashley Rose, 
who is portrayed by Grammy and Emmy Award winner Jasmine Cephas Jones, who just um, with her father, I think it was last at the, at the Emmy. Quincy Jones, you mean Quincy Jones' daughter? <laughs> um, no, um, oh, Jazz. Uh, he was on what's that show? Um, it'll come to me because I see his face. Was it This Is Us? Sterling Washington? No, no, no. Sterling Washington is on This Is Us. No, no, not Sterling. Um, Oh, I know you're talking about. um, He no, Sterling's dad, Ron, or Sterling is Ron Cephas Jones. Yes, that's right. His daughter. So that's right. His daughter. So she was also in Hamilton too. So excuse me. She um, played Peggy Schuler. And Maria Reynolds. So she was in the original movie as well. And and now this one is navigating her life. So it's showing uh, her perspective after her partner, Miles, is unexpectedly incarcerated. So what I love about the show is that it's so artsy. It's not just your typical written, uh, produced, and performed show. There are many aspects to it. Um, it's very witty. It's quick. It's fun. I love that. And uh, the way some of the shots are presented, I, I really dig it. Like, for instance, uh, with there's a scene with two friends who sat down to play a game of chess. And then there's a dialogue that's going on. But you can't see anything. You just see that they're about to enjoy a game of chess. Uh, during the shot, Ashley Rose is reciting a poem. And she's dipping and and her tonality of a, of a poetry slam and she's going at it and she's discussing the challenges of being Miles' girlfriend on the outside, living with his mother and his mother is um, Helen Hunt and I love Helen Hunt. Um, <laughs> and they have a pretty good cast. Excuse me, guys. Uh, so um, she's also talking about how she's trying to live her life as a single mom while she's going through it and trying to hold everything together. So it's a pull and a push and that's what you see the two friends actually start popping and locking and doing this whole performance, not just like, you know, break dancing, but a full dance routine and performance is going on while the poetry slam is in the background. It's so dope. It is so dope. I know my description is not even like, it's not doing any justice at all, but it's really mesmerizing to watch. I loved it. And the episode titles are so, I love them. They're fun. The the last one I saw was Beaches Be Trippin'. Okay. And it was it was because the four of them that live in the house, four f- young ladies that live in the house, actually went to a beach to get high on mushrooms. And it was this whole seance thing where they had to talk about themselves and what they're going through. And it was, again, poetry, um, getting deep down into what they're going through. And they took the mushrooms, they started tripping out, and it was just this whole artsy, crazy sequence. It was dope. It was crazy. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So it's on stars. <laughs> so it's on stars. Just, on what night does it come on? That's a good question because I just I'm catching I'm catching um what's it called the catching reruns mm. yeah the reruns are coming on so whenever I see it playing I just catch up and I watch it so um, I am gonna check and see what night it comes on so that I can actually stay up to date. But oh my god, it's it's really worth sitting down and getting into. Honest to God, it really is. I'm so surprised hardly anybody's speaking about it. Yeah, so 
Um, I'm, I'm familiar with the movie, obviously. With I mean, the critic, it was a critical darling the year it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, less so with the uh, show. I know when it came out because I think NPR, Pop Culture Happy Hour, might have done this thing on it and spoke you about did, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a big fan of that particular uh, critics show. But um, but yeah, I've never, I, you know. I lived in Oakland. I lived in downtown Oakland for a year. So, you know, I have mixed feelings about that part of the world. <laughs> I lasted <laughs> in California one year and ran, literally ran out of there. Oh, um, wow. It just wasn't for me, um, though I have really wonderful friends who still live there and um, enjoy the Bay Area. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, so I don't know. I haven't, there are certain things like uh, Sorry to Bother You, I loved. Um, that kind of captures the sensibility of the Oakland um, and train spotting. The movie um, kind of yeah, captured a little bit same similar vibe or blind spotting, excuse me, um, captured a similar vibe of the um, the area. But yeah, I hadn't checked this show out. I you know maybe because you said I should, I'll give it a shot. I think you would like it. I honestly um, keep your mind out of the Oakland contest context. <laughs> excuse me, and just watch it for what it is and what's going on with the characters and how they're expressing themselves. And you, I think you'd like it. Just on the creativity tip, it's really dope to watch. It's really really cool. All right, I think well, you'd enjoy it. Um. On a different note, you froze for a minute there, so I'm not sure, at least on my end, um, but then you it cleaned up and you caught back up with yourself. So hopefully that was just, um, wasn't a glitch that the cameras caught. Chris can let us know and he can edit this part out where I explain okay. this to you. Um, now for me, my love in it is also a series and it's also in its second season. And it is season two of Euphoria. Sam Levinson's writing and direction has only been equaled by his amazing cast of actors led by Zendaya as Rue Bennett. It also stars Hunter Schaefer as Jules, a transgender teen who has a complicated friendship slash love relationship with Zendaya or Rue. Um, For those unfamiliar with the series, it airs on HBO Max. Euphoria follows a group of high school students as they navigate love and friendship and um, in a world of drugs, lots of drugs, lots and lots of drugs, sex, so I lots hear. of sex, mm-hmm. lots of peen, lots of peen, peen, <laughs> peen everywhere, peen, on-camera peen, um, trauma, and social media. Mm. Uh, the series is executive produced by Drake, along with yeah. his manager, Future the Prince. The ensemble cast includes the actor um, Angus Cloud, uh, who is so sexy as Fez. Uh, Eric Dane, who's also sexy. People may remember Eric Dane on um, Grey's Anatomy. He was on there for about a decade um, as the other Dreamy. <laughs> um, yeah, or Mac yes. Dreamy, the, the second Mac Dreamy. Um, Nika King, Storm Reed, um, Algie Smith, and Sydney Sweeney. Um, all of those are rising star names who've been in really big um, projects over the last decade. Um, Euphoria is an American adaptation of an as of an Israeli show of the same name, and all episodes are written by Sam Levinson, who some people may remember he, um, uh, for Assassination Nation was another project of his. Um, he serves as the executive director as well. 
So the series is produced in partnership with A24, which is responsible for such gems as Moonlight, Zola, Hereditary, Lady Bird, and Uncut Gems. And as a TV series, Euphoria shares some of those films' unflinching honesty, bold and often gritty aesthetics, and indie film sensibilities. The show's secret sauce has been the collaborative relationship between Levinson and his muse, Zendaya. If last season's Edge enjoying the toxic power dynamics of relationships between adults and teens and teens and teens uh, was hot and too hot to handle. This new season decided to kick it up several notches by delivering what essentially has become a series of interconnected one-act plays, each spotlighting a different character and the toxic situation they've created for themselves to trap themselves in kind of a personal nightmare. Um, The foremost pronounced of this season was a backstory of Ash. Ash is a middle school age drug dealer (laughs) who's very handy with a baseball bat. Um, He is not for play. He is not for play. (laughs) Apparently so. Uh, The lust and obsession triangle features the villainous Nate who is vying for a a second or is it a third chance with his ex-girlfriend Maddie? while also regularly betting her best friend, Cassie. Oh, this is messy AF. Um, wow. There's a tour de force performance um, by Eric Dane, who has his gay teen backstory as Nate's tormented and tormentor, Father Cal, who last season was betting the trans teen Jules. And this season has been revealed to be a tortured closet case mired in self-hate. He's also a married man with a family, very kind of suburban on the outside, uh, spicy on the inside. (laughs) Eric Dane's performance was already uh, receiving Emmy talk when Zendaya said, hold my beer, and followed that episode immediately up with one that included an operatic range of emotions as a chemically dependent teenager experiencing both severe withdrawal and the knowledge that her mother flushed ten thousand dollars worth of opioids in the toilet that belonged to a neighborhood drug dealer, awaiting the proceeds from those drug sales. So, if the fifteen-minute intervention gone wrong by her mother, delivered by a phenom of an actress, Nika King, and her baby sister, emotionally played by Storm Reed, the episode includes a terrifying twenty-minute police chase of Rue. Now, you know Zendaya's. Black, light-skinned black, but she's still black. Anytime the police chasing any black people, it's terrifying. Um, and that They're not scene... looking for color range, you know. <laughs> no. Black is black is black. <laughs> no. And, um, and, you know, they are shooting at her. They are chasing her. They, they go through multiple neighborhoods and back alleys. It's, it's, you're holding your breath the whole time. And then if that wasn't enough, the episode also has a huge reveal that was dwarfed by everything else in the episode and Rue trying to have to escape from being sex trafficked by the dealer she's indebted to. All in one episode. Right? Like, this is one episode. This is stressful. (laughs) I'm not even watching it, and this is stressful. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So Zendaya already has one Emmy. Right, she won. She was the youngest woman yes. to ever win Best Actress um, in the Best Actress category for an Emmy. Um, but episode five all but guarantees her a nomination, if not a win. 
Um, mm. And while the series this season has been polarizing for some critics, fans have already made season two the most watched on the HBO Max platform. So that brought up the teen drug use prevention organization, DARE. I don't know if you remember DARE from back in the 80s. That's the last time I actually heard of DARE. I actually didn't know DARE was still a thing. I thought DARE it's been a wrapped up mm-hmm. in, in its T-shirts and its slogans and had gone away because I haven't seen or heard from DARE until this, right? So they came out against the show as yeah. glamorizing and normalizing teenage drug use and by making it appear a typical part of teenage life. Now, while this, while euphoria wasn't my experience with drug use in the black community among teenagers at my magnet high school and my Dodd school that I went to in Germany, um, college was different. College was a different story. College looked like euphoria, <laughs> but it absolutely was my baby sister's experience in white suburbia in Minnesota. Which mm-hmm. begs the question, and there's like a huge age difference between me and my sister. Like, I'm 47. My baby sister um, was born, like, 13 or 14 years after I was. I was So um, we had a totally different experience. I was raised in Chicago. She was raised in the suburbs of Minnesota with white folks. And it looked, her story is very euphoria. Um, mm-hmm. Which begs the question, should we be telling stories about how we want teenage life in America to be? essentially kind of like a retention message in social marketing where we highlight, you know, the good of teenagers and how we want them to aspire to be, or should we be telling stories about how teenage life actually is, even if it includes quite a bit of sex, drugs, violence? What do you think, AMC? Yes. Yes to the latter. All of it. I don't, the latter, the latter. I want stories of how teenage life actually is. Who the hell wants it glossed over? I don't want the Hollywood version. If my kid or if anybody else needs to sit down and watch um, a show that's depicting teenage life, why would I want it to be all through a rose-colored glasses kind of perspective? That's not what I want to see. I want to hear and see what these kids are doing. And from what I'm hearing hearing i'm terrified for my kid when he gets older i don't know what more i can do i'm gonna have to call maybe i'll have to drag out there again at that point and ask them yo what do i do because it's terrifying when i see these kids now and what they're talking about and what they're doing they know more about what to do with a vibrator than some of us do like it's not it's not a game these kids are on it they are on it why are we going to hide this shit when it's happening it's happening right in front of them and they will come back and tell you themselves nah that's 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 not what's going on (laughs) like that what is that you know you're glossing over everything that's going on in my life right now when you know when it really started to hit me about teenage um life and what teenagers are going through is when i used to see on the news and i would say maybe for the past hmm, 10 years when kids were saying I'm stressed out I'm sorry when I was going to school I was not stressed out I was trying to figure (laughs) out when's track practice when am I going to play my next dodgeball game when am I going to you know what I mean there was always something we had extracurricular activities we were going at it these kids are stressed out and need yoga after class so that should tell you things ain't ain't all pretty pretty let's let's be real we need to be real about these things 
So bring it on. It may, it, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt us as parents. It's going to hurt us as uncles and aunties to see the real, the real deal. But it is the real deal. Sex, drugs, violence, all of it. That, that synopsis that you gave of the show, just, it just gave me a heart attack. Like, I'm suddenly like, fuck, I want to watch it, but I'm terrified. I am terrified. And as you gave the synopsis, it made complete sense to me when I saw a lot of tweets with people saying, oh, my God. Euphoria looking to like kill me tonight. Euphoria is like everybody was freaking out. And now I clearly understand why. <laughs> Cause this is nuts. This is nuts. I'm gonna be like clenching my pearls for a minute after that show. I gotta watch this now. You know I, for I, how long it's been in my queue? Oh my gosh. Well, I will tell people this, I mean, because I did have some people reach out to me and ask me that they have to watch all of season one to go to season two. And it's like, in order to, you know, season one laid the foundation so that season two could just run free. I mean, because it's not, it's using a lot of indie film techniques. It's not um, mm-hmm. linear always in the storytelling. Um, it's using lots of uh, different uh, camera angles and colors and, you know, art direction that's quirky and wild um, in order to, to depict the life of the people. And, you know, what's one of the criticisms of the show that it might be? more style over substance. Um, mm. And, and I don't know, like for me as I, maybe I'm, I'm in love with the style. <laughs> so, um, but I think that if you want, you can watch the last episode, episode five, no, no. which is the one I described I all by itself, just to get a taste, <laughs> right? Like to get a taste of the level. I mean, in, in episode five makes it very clear. They're not glamorizing drug use. She's mm-hmm. going through withdrawal and she is shaking. She's crying. She's having wild mood swings. Why? I mean, she goes from angry and violent to weeping and balls in the corner within minutes of each other, right? Like, it's not pretty. Um, you know, mm-hmm. she tears up her home. I mean, it's not, and she's like a frail little tiny thing. Isn't that? It's like, what, 100 pounds? <laughs> what? Yeah, she's tiny. <laughs> Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But she managed to do a great deal of violence with that little body. Um, So, yeah, I don't get the glamorization or normalization. I mean, the normalization part, my baby sister, um, who has had her own struggles with things that Euphoria touches on, uh, the show show, I mean, she couldn't go to house parties in suburban Minnesota because so many times that she would go to the house party and the white suburban kids would pull out drugs and mm-hmm. like the party would really be a drug party. Um, and this was in the early aughts, right? You know, cause there's like this huge age gap between me and my sister who's now in her thirties. Um, so it's not like this is new. Um, Gabrielle Union wrote about some of this kind of stuff in her memoirs as well about her experiences in white suburbia you know, this idea that these kids who um, have means, you know, and have mm-hmm. the complexion for the protection are not also engaged in sex and violence and drug use is, you know, not just not true. <laughs> like, right. You know, exactly. and we exactly. had our own kind of taste of this when back in the 90s for a black film, you know, with Boys in the Hood and Minister Society. Yeah. And, you know, there was a little bit of an outcry of why are we always only showing our teenagers doing this one way? But that mm-hmm. was also a part of Black teenage life. That was part of my experience as a Black teenager in Chicago. 
Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I think we, we like to want to think of our babies as these angelic things and having like Judy Bloom type of Beverly Cleary type of experience. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, that's right. just not, I don't know that it was even true back then, but it's definitely not true now. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. This is not, you know. like you said, it's not a, it's not a, an old story that's being regurgitated. It's an old story that has gotten worse over the years, to be quite honest. I think that um, with all of the truths um, that is coming, like, I mean, with the show itself, like it's showing and, and depicting what is going on. That's just basically it. So to actually use a word like glamorization mm-hmm. is kind of, it's icky. It's really icky. That's not glamorous <laughs> at all, at all. So, Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I. I. As I said, I don't think the Hollywood version would cut it, and it's best to dig deep and show us what you got. And Zendaya is clearly doing that in Euphoria. And I can't just watch that one episode. I'm sorry. I'm that chick that if you tell me about a show that's really good, I need to start from day one. So I'll start from day one and work my way up, and then I'll come back and cuss you in the next podcast. <laughs> yeah and i i just tell people season a season two they're definitely way more risk-taking than they were which is a Mm. which is saying a lot that's awesome season one included you know the suburban dad sleeping with the trans teen in a hotel room so (laughs) like you know i don't understand you saying it gets worse oh yeah it definitely gets worse in season two um So I think we've done with loving it. How about it's complicated? Our second segment mm. of this and every show stories that we have mixed feelings about, but we love certain aspects of it, but not all of it. What you got? Uh, people might not like me for this one, but that's that's okay. That's all right. Um, so I wanted to touch on uh, the Kanye versus Kim in the media issue real quick now um don't even ask me about i have mixed feelings yes uh the love certain aspects of it mm, eh, it's kind of i don't think i do really but um i know a lot of people are team kanye still that's that's on y'all and i know some people are team kim as well that's on y'all um that's there's nothing wrong with that um, I've seen Kim being called everything underneath the table and Kanye, a lot of people pledge allegiance to his stuff, even with all of the madness going on behind, you know, stuff that he's done and said, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I'm, but I'm going to take this whole entire argument away from all of that and, and flip the perspective a little bit. Cause what irks me with their whole entire, um, nasty divorce process here is how Kanye is ready to eagerly talk about Kim and badmouth her in the media. Um, I think I know, I, I get from what he's doing that he's trying to gain sympathy from his fans and everybody and is noting everything that's going on, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel that um, when you start to do that, you're putting, you're putting the kid's mother in a bad light. Um, and even if it was from her end as well, that would be her putting Connie in a bad light. That would be disgusting. To me, I think as adults, we kind of tend to go overboard, especially when we're vexed. When we're vexed, 
That's it. There's no holds barred. Everybody says what they want, diarrhea of the mouth, and then after we kind of deal with the emotions and whatever comes with it. But I think that, um, of course, there are exceptions to the rule. If somebody is, you know, crying out for help and or, you know, they're being abused, sure, project that into the media. Use the media as much as you can. There are certain, you know, perspectives where, of course, I will kind of give a blight. But um, in this case, it's kind of tough for me because I I just I feel like we need to step back a bit and remember that the kids are involved and it's messed up for them because all of this media stuff does not go away on the Internet. The Internet is going to hold on to that forever in a day. And these kids are going to grow up and these kids are going to see these things online and they're going to remember how daddy spoke about mommy. But from I've been following this. So from. My perspective, I have not seen Kim talk about Kanye at all, like in in, a, in any kind of like nasty context, because she's more like, this is my private shit that's going on. I don't want to talk about that in the media and I want to protect my kids. And I totally respect her for that, because if, Con- if Kim was Kim, if, like if Kim was like a royal B-I-T-C-H, she would really, really put hang out Kanye to dry. And I'm sure she can only because of his past behavior and stuff like that right even if it's you know a bad mental situation that he's been in some of the things that he's done have are can't be forgiven and i'm sorry you buy a house next door to me for certain reasons i get i i i kind of maybe get but at the same time i'm like that's creepy you can't do that because yes the kids are there that's fine and good but the mother of your child who you're divorcing lives in that house she needs her privacy too. Right now, you're not thinking about yourself and you're not thinking about your kids. You're thinking about yourself. So there's so many like different facets to this. But for me, when it comes down to um, just putting all of your business, and it doesn't matter if it's Kanye or Joe Schmo next door. My thing is don't put your business out there like that when things are getting messy. And when you have kids, it takes it up to a whole other level. Your kids are going to remember this. Your kids are going to see how you disrespected mommy in the news. They're going to see how you spoke about her, how you spoke about your your kids themselves. Because from the time Kanye called out Kim's name about how they almost aborted North, I wiped my hands of that man. I was done. And nobody can tell me anything otherwise, because I think that it was just, that's wrong. That's disgusting. North is at the age already where she can see all of this. How do you think she's going to feel? Like, I, I just, it hurts me to my core every time he does something and he talks about her and he puts her name out there. I'd be like, take your take my name out of your mouth, please. If you want to bring the war to my door, bring it to my door, but don't put it on media. Don't do that. Don't do it. My, my point is that it's just not healthy calling out people like that. Like, don't do it. What's your take on, on the battle? Like, do you, have you been privy to anything that's been going on? I mean, we can't help but be privy to it. (laughs) You can't not. Right. You know, uh, this would have never been a topic I'd have chosen because I try to avoid all things Kanye and Kardashians. Um, You know, I I was never a fan of the show. I tried to watch a couple episodes just to see what was the big deal, and I didn't get it. Um, I'm not one of these people who hates Kim Kardashian. There's a level of vitriol against Kim 
that I don't fully understand. I think I, I might just need to be a black woman in order to fully understand it. Like, uh, you know, to me, she's a beautiful woman who spent a lot of money on plastic surgery to look more black. And that's her prerogative. It's her body. It's her money. Um, she uh, and her family clearly love black men from the mama down. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. I, I love black men too, so I don't really, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't really have an issue with that. Uh, you know, I'm not waiting for this anti interracial relationship. I mean, I think that there have been right. there have been uh, issues that people have had, and there have been things that they've done throughout the career, like you know the the cringy Pepsi commercial that happened in one of the family. You know, like there've been like yeah, cringy moments yeah, throughout yeah. there. You know. Uh, Corn rolls and 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 boxer braids and saying a box braids and calling them something you know like silly shit that right. um, is cultural okay. appropriation and I, I get the the people's ire about those things but they don't rise to the level of vitriol that I see people um, have against Kim um, so mm-hmm. for me um, I. You know, she's just not talented. I mean, and she's managed to make, you know, her mother has made sure that all of those untalented people have managed to make a, a mint that their great, 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 great grandchildren can't even fuck up. Um, right. And that's impressive. But other than that, I don't really know. These Armenian people, I don't care. <laughs> like, um, in terms of the Kanye thing i think that um you know i respected him as a producer for a really long time i loved his music i bought his albums i've i've seen him in concert live and um and you know when he was anti george w bush when we were all loving kanye i was right there with him mm-hmm. and for him and then when he became maga kanye i washed my hands of him um and so i really really just disengage from anything Kanye West. You know, I'm aware of Donda, the album. I'm aware of the listening parties that, you know, he charged people $60 and up for, but didn't actually really do anything concert oriented for. You know, I'm aware Mm -hmm. of him staying at the stadium in Atlanta. You know, you can't, it's just the stories are in the ether. So even if you don't read it, you can't get away from it. And I haven't read like an in-depth article about any of the Kanye stuff with his kids. And yet I'm really aware <laughs> of how much damage he's done um, by publicly disparaging the, his, you know, Kim and as their mother. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I agree with you a hundred percent. Demetria Lucas, uh, who's a friend of the podcast and we're a friend of hers um, spoke about him kind of weaponizing the black community when it suited him, right? Like, so you haven't been mm-hmm. down for black folks up till now. You've been talking trash right. about black folks. You've been supporting white supremacists. You've um, even ran on a campaign that would that could have mm-hmm. had the disastrous results um, for the last presidential election had you just got enough folks to siphon off away from Joe Biden. Um, You've not been a friend of black folks. So now now that you need us again, you want to talk about how she not raising black children right. Like, leave us out of that conversation. You ain't gave a fuck up about us up to now. <laughs> I don't right. care. Exactly. You know, uh, you have not your pawn. Right. I mean, and, you know, you're taking it to the social media like you like, you know, Demetra talked about the fact like you have lawyers, sir. Like, go to your lawyers, like have a conversation with your lawyers. Leave us out of it. I don't even understand why we're involved. Why do we know so much about 
her parenting, your parenting, who's doing what. And it's not like he hasn't moved on. He has a whole new girlfriend, right? Thank like you. It's not like he's sitting right. at home pining over Kim. So this all just looks crazy. I mean, you know, he needs to go get the mental health support he needs. He um, you know, I don't know about He's no official diagnosis. For... We'll say allegedly, you know, for about his mental health. But the behavior looks crazy from the outside for us lay people. <laughs> he sounds like you need some deep, deep, deep therapy for a really long time to deal with the wounds that you won't deal with. Um, and if not for you, for your children's sake, like none of this is a good look. Right. It doesn't make you look good. It actually makes her look better. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you got people out here defending Kim Kardashian who don't want to defend Kim Kardashian. And, uh, you know, and you're harming your children, not just now, yeah. but into perpetuity. As, as, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. this will always be a question raised towards these kids in private and in public. You know, and they shouldn't have to answer these questions. Divorce is right. hard enough, messy enough, trauma, traumatic enough without a public spotlight and a dad talking shit. Right. Oh, right. Oh, I mean, how is that going to affect you? How is that going to affect your kid in the future? Like, you're not again. He's just thinking typical Kanye, right? He's thinking about himself. So, yeah, we'll leave that where that is. <laughs> what do you have on deck, sir? So, uh, we're really talking about messy, messy stuff this week. Um, (laughs) So, this last week has shown us leaked sex tapes by Nelly, (laughs) Lil Fizz of B2K fame, rapper Isaiah Rashad, and Nigerian singer Oxlade, all within days of one another during the 2022 Year of Our Lord and Savior's Black History Month here in the United States. I'm done. Now, for rapper Isaiah Rashad, who was outed as queer in behavior, if not identity, through his group sex tape, the response has been mostly supportive, given his recent struggles with chemical dependency and mental health, which he's been very public about on his music. And he's only recently kind of coming out of that. So, you know, there was a lot of fear that this would put him back in a dark place, right? So I've been heartened by... Folks not wanting to pile on to Rashad's woes, potentially sending him over the edge, given how much suicide is a major issue for young Black men and young Black men who are queer in particular. Um, Oxlade was clearly handling business and giving out orgasms throughout his tapes. So, you know, he got mostly hazanas in these streets. Okay. <laughs> right? okay. High fives. Attaboys. Wow. However... The feedback for Nelly and Lil Fizz has sparked a major debate about body shaming men for their dick size, as many called out Nelly for having what appeared to be roughly six inches in standard issue meat, Um, and Fizz for living up to his name, Lil Fizz, with an upward-curved mushroom-headed dick that was more head than, say, neck and shoulders. Um, Uh While those defending these celebrities from the jokes and memes were quick to say they were doing it in the name of body positivity, they often use language that disparage their detractors to talk about potential deep ocean pussies and prolapsed wall-free cakes 
um, which didn't exactly scream body positivity to me either. So we're mm-hmm. going to talk about people not having walls, but and that's body positive, you know, <laughs> right? Like it made, which, and it made them seem, some of these folks just seem to be defensive, perhaps for personal reasons. Um, now to me, the black mm-hmm. Twitter slam dance on Nelly felt a bit deserving. Because he allegedly leaked this himself by accident, right? Like, if you're going to humble brag, have something more than mediocre or average to humble brag about. That's how I see it. Now, if he didn't leak it himself, my mistake, bruh. But if you're leaking it yourself, at least have something that, you know, you're about to be impressive. I mean, it wasn't bad. It'll do the job. But it ain't like you're going to be walking funny the next day. Oh, shit. In the case of Lil Fizz, I think folks observing him on Love & Hip Hop, the TV show he's on on VH1 or has been on on VH1, also might have felt he had some shade coming. Now, I don't know because I left the show shortly after his arrival. um, But are we at a point in our evolution as a society that jokes about male genitalia should be off limits? Should it matter <laughs> if they are a celebrity? What if they're a braggart or an asshole needing to be taken down a peg or two? What do you say, AMC? You really going to leave this question in my hands? Like, really, really? I mean... <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> uh, gosh, listen... Um, y'all need to be able to take jokes the same way you can give jokes, right? Okay? Because nobody's pausing when they're talking about, oh, her pussy's as big as the Grand Canyon. Oh, my God. And, like, those jokes will come out 24-7 for the rest of your life, man. You, you, if you got the stuff that just, you know, can't do nothing, your your name is smeared for life. And you're going to walk with that joke for life. So, as a dude... You're going to have to man up and take your licks, too. No pun intended. You're going to have to take your licks. So um, body shaming, if if that's what you want to call it. Because <laughs> I, mean, I think it, I mean, okay. It, okay they sure. are shaming parts of the people's body. If we were talking about, you know, I'm a fat person. You know, I am not comfortable with people. Now, for me personally, I didn't get past the point. Like, you can't call... You can't call me nothing that I have not called myself in my head. And, uh, you know, like, it. there's just nothing you can say to me about my size at this point of my life, especially almost 50 years old, that's going to make me go run out into the street crying, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and these are all, I mean, and to be fair, these are all very grown-ass men. These are not teenagers. Mm-hmm. These are not, you know, even college-age mm-hmm. people. Um, these are super grown men and... Um, all who have decided to film themselves, like there are at least not that I'm aware of, there are no tapes of me for very good reason. <laughs> I don't want no tape of all this fat shaking up on some dude. I don't oh want to see God. it. I don't want other people to see it. I don't want to talk about it in these here streets. So I don't get filmed. Now, if somebody this filmed me in secret, you tape it yourself. <laughs> I mean, which is the other part of this, like these men weren't secretly taped. They all allowed themselves to be taped and of participated course. in the taping. So mm-hmm. 
And maybe they thought it was going to be helpful in some way. I don't know, because um, I don't know that in each of these instances, I mean, obviously with Rashad, he did not leak that himself. He would never have outed himself in this way. That's just not how right, he come right. out of the closet. Um, mm-hmm. But for the others, um, like Nelly and Lil Fizz and, and Oxlade, Oxlade, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had paid lighting and cameraman to handle oh, his shame. pornographic. <laughs> when I tell you, bro, took care of business, bro, took care of business. He was handling it. Oh, my God. So, you know, I people was running away from the meat. You know, people was running away from the dick and all kind of stuff. You know, so I, I'm just saying, like, but it, I mean, to say it's not body shaming, it would, I think, might be a little disingenuous. It is body shaming. The question okay. is whether or not it's a body shaming that we tolerate and allow. The same way we tolerate and yeah. allow people to make black folks to make fun of white folks, right? Like we tolerate and allow a lot of situations where it's okay for people who feel oppressed by a certain group to then make jokes of that group when yeah. they're on the receiving end of something ridiculous or silly. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I think uh, it's. <laughs> I guess because those particular types of jokes are things that you've been hearing like time and time again from since you were younger. So it kind of feels like it's the norm. And I'm going to use the norm the same way I'm using he allegedly, you know, accidentally <laughs> leaked it. Okay. So I think, you know, we, we're constantly, um, we're constantly using these these jokes as um, maybe as a, a a guide or a, a protector or a shield sometimes um, and as I said these things have started from since I won't say elementary for me maybe the kids now but these things uh, have started from you know high school on when it's like you start gossiping about what you're seeing and what you're doing and. And who's doing what? And of course, the first thing you ask is, oh, well, how big is his dick? Like, can he swing a dick? Like, you know, those are the things that you ask. And then from the guy's perspective, I mean, I've, I've, I've got a lot of guy friends, y'all. So <laughs> I've been the only chick in the room listening to these guys go off. And, um, you know, it's, you know, so is the pussy good? Are the walls tight? Are the... So all of those questions, you know, pertain to one person at a time. So if it's like body shaming in a group or in an individual setting, it happens. And it and it, it happens, like, as I said, it's the norm. It's something that you kind of expect to, the, a, during a conversation, to have during a conversation. Um, especially when you're with your girls or when you're with your boys. And you know that that talk is loose as fuck. The talk is loose. So whatever comes out is going to come out. So it's going to be a whole lot of body shaming (laughs) if that's what it's going to come down to, to describe everything that's going on. And again, it feels, it's like the norm. So I don't, that's why I was kind of like body shaming. But then when you put it in that context, yeah, I I guess it is body shaming. Just never put it in that perspective. It is body shaming. It's, you know, when you're used to something and it's just normal to you, it it, it kind of doesn't come off as something that is um, disrespectful or uh, putting somebody in a negative negative light rather than a positive light. So I mean, yeah. and 
and it's normal to make jokes about fat people, right? Like, so there's a lot of things that is normal to do that we should but it's interrogate. Not nice. You're right, that we should interrogate. But that said, I mean, I think that this falls into that area, like, you know, on the personal level, I've been with men who were small, but they knew how to work what they had, or they had other talents that were orally censored <laughs> that, that made it... <laughs> You know, like for me, it's like, is you know, am I having a pleasurable experience with this person or am I regretting it, you know, the whole time and wishing mm-hmm. I had a VA? Um, and I've been with men who are not necessarily, I've been with men who are very large and I've been in relationship with men who are very large and I've been in relationship with men who were average or even slightly below average who figured out how to make it work. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, also, you know, I think some of this is also an age-based discussion. When I was young, my eyes were bigger than my stomach. (laughs) You know, I, you know, wanted to challenge, I wanted to take on the world. I wanted to handle the double digits. At this age, maybe I just want to cuddle and watch Netflix and we could do a little something, something, but I don't need it to be all huge like that i in fact that just seems like a lot of work now and tiring it really is is. (laughs) i don't have the energy that i had at 25 to be doing all of those pretzels type of situations like baby let's just you know give me a little husband meat you know we say me and my friends we joke about husband meat some right not too small not too small, oh not too large, right in between, right? Like very Goldilocks. We want the husband meat. Um, you know, that's where we're comfortable. We, something we don't have to ration the pussy. No, let me joking. Um, uh, so yeah. Well, what about you, AMC? Like I'm putting myself out there. What about you? Your mama gonna I- listen to this. <laughs> Oh, my mama already knows, man. My my mama knows how I flow. It's all good. Shout out to my mama, cause yes. I mean, cause um, we've but, all heard the stories no, about West Indian and Caribbean men. And you know, some of them are true. I, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I mean, I, I I have been with really like large men where, like, Lord have mercy, I'm gonna die. And then, you know, I, I I have been blessed in my sexual escapades where I have not had to deal with a short, short man. I haven't had to deal with any small, you know, small ting and ting. So I've been good on that end. Thank you, dear Jesus. Um, but, <laughs> Is this what yeah, we think it's Jesus just, for? <laughs> yes, we are. I this give thanks for all the goodness. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. Okay. You gotta give thanks to repeat. Come on now. Shucks. And when it's good, it's good. So you gotta give thanks. But yeah, I mean, it just woo. Yeah. Nowadays, it's it's. I'm too tired, man. It's just like you said. I'm getting old. I, I just. I, I gotta find another name for the for the cuddle peen, but it's, I'm not doing all of that fun stuff. That I think I, I'm, I'm kind of good. I'm good. Got injuries yeah. for that to prove, you know, that I had a good time. I'm good. I'm good. So yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I still enjoy sex, but I don't. You know what they say? I don't want wreck my credit, make me digmatized and stupid sex. <laughs> just need. <laughs> I just need we paying the mortgage to going to dinner sex. <laughs> oh my god. 
all right, folks, we have taken this into a totally different direction than our last three episodes on this one. So uh, maybe we should talk about sex more often because that was fun. All right, our next section. Um, So this one thing I wanted to throw out there, we still have a few, not a lot, but we have a few candles left over from our last episode um, from our show sponsor, Ambiance LLC, a locally owned black business out of Jacksonville, Florida. This specializes in all natural handmade products, including whipped body butters, emulsified sugar scrubs, a full beard line created especially for men of color, and a vast selection of crystals and an array of hand-poured candles that contain no parabens or carcinogens, right? So check out Ambiance LLC. They have a Facebook page. They're um, having an upcoming website launch. We'll let you know when that's up so you can place your orders directly. Um, mm-hmm. And in the meantime, we have a couple of candles left over. Uh, massage candles, luxurious, large, gorgeous. We did a display last time we met. Um, and you can send us your mailing address to thegibsongazette at gmail.com. Thegibsongazette at gmail.com. If you haven't figured out Gibson does not have a B in it by now, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you on um, your own. You on your own. Uh, but definitely send us your mailing address. And if you're one of the first ones to give it to us, we can give you the last of our massage candles. Yeah. All right. And uh, good lastly, for sexy time. You know, good for sexy time. And before we go to That's our right. just know for the week. A reminder, be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share on whatever platform you're listening to or watching us on. All right. Mm-hmm. Take us away, AMC, for just no. Wow. Wow. So I'm going on on the political end here. I just wanted to give you guys a little rundown on what's going on with the Trucker Freedom Convoy. So I'm sure you guys have heard a little tidbit about this going on here in Canada. And it's been um, interesting to watch unfold. So I'm going to give you the short form synopsis because I don't want to be here all night, y'all. All right. So the entire thing started uh, because of the COVID vaccine mandates for truckers. The truckers didn't agree with their decisions made for Canadian, basically the Canadian truckers crossing into the U.S. border. So they decided to protest. And now it's turned into an ugly display of racism, harassment, and white supremacy in our nation's capital. So it's no longer really a protest. It has turned into um, just a huge mess, really. And it's it's been interesting to watch unfold. Um, I'm just going to give you a few of the key points on the timeline. Uh, it started January 14th where a GoFundMe uh, fundraiser was started by organizers uh, Tamara Lich and DJ Ditchter. And the latter has been known to spread misinformation left and right about um, vaccines and et cetera, et cetera. And actually, when he was told that there was, um, which I will get into after, there were Confederate flags on the premises of the the protest, he said, I don't care. So... um, there are a lot of um, far-right extremists, apparently, that are behind the organization of this uh, convoy. Um, so on January 15th, uh, the mandate came into force that um, all travelers had to be fully vaccinated before crossing the Canada-U.S. border. Um, all drivers, truck drivers, sorry. 
So in the statement, the convoy organizer said that they came to the decision that the government has crossed the line with COVID-19 vaccine passport and vaccine mandates, and they announced that they had planned to travel to Ottawa. Um, January 22nd, the U.S. began barring unvaccinated truck drivers from Canada and Mexico as the country's vaccine mandate came into effect. Um, the Trucking Alliance condemned the planned protests and then started their way from British Columbia en route to Ottawa, and some convoys passed through Regina and Kenora. That's here in Canada, of course. I remember I'm talking from the Canadian perspective, just to remind you guys. Um, January 25th, GoFundMe. So they ended up um, raising about a, a, a million, I think it was 1.8 um, wow. on GoFundMe, which blows my mind completely. Um, uh, but GoFundMe decided on January 25th that they were going to suspend the fundraiser for the first time to give organizers time to provide a plan on how they dis- they will decide to distribute the funds. Um, segments of the convoy started entering Ontario from the Manitoba border on January 26th. And then, um, oh yeah, so it was $1 million that they had raised. Excuse me. And then a convoy came into Toronto on January 27th. That was horrid. Like, it was just, it was bad. It was a lot of traffic backed up. Um, a lot of people downtown, Confederate flags. Um, uh, there were a few other things too, but I really can't remember. But there were there was a lot of things going on. However, there were I think when because um, they were by Hospital Row downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a street that basically has about maybe four or five hospitals or major hospitals, and okay. um, so we call it Hospital Row, and they blocked Hospital Row. So imagine you have ambulances that are trying to come in with patients and whatnot. Mm. Luckily, I saw on video that they were letting some ab- an ambulance through. I don't know whatever what transpired throughout the day, etc. But I think they were more um, more flexible and peaceful here than they were in Ottawa. In Ottawa, they just did not care. Um, so a convoy had passed through in Quebec on January twenty eighth made its way to Parliament Hill January 29th. So on January 29th was the main rally for the convoy. So now everyone descended upon Ottawa. The police estimated that approximately 3,000 trucks and up to 15,000 protesters took part. There was hateful anti-Semitic imagery, um, including yellow stars, the Confederate flag, and swastikas that were there. Um, There was widespread condemnation uh, behind the protesters' behaviors, they were harassing a homeless shelter in order to give them food. Food from a homeless shelter, people. Um, they were dancing on the National War Memorial. How disrespectful is that? Putting flags and signs on a Terry Fox statue. I mean, I'm sure you guys know who Terry Fox is. Very um, prominent um, person here in Canada. If not, look him up. A public... Um, uh, urin- they were urinating on public um, national monuments. And now anything that you know y'all ex-president um, has praise for is like garbage. It's trash. And so that day he decided to actually praise the convoy in Ottawa while addressing his supporters in Texas. So on January 31st, um, Parliament came back from the holidays 
Um, Ottawa paramedics confirmed that protesters had thrown rocks at an ambulance and used racial slurs against the paramedic, leading to a police escort being provided for all further calls for safety. So can you imagine police now had to be pulled off of wherever they were in order to take care of things downtown on Parliament Hill? Um, then our prime minister finally, because they just came back from the holidays on the 31st, and he delivers a fiery speech talking about we're not intimidated. Mind you, we still haven't seen anything being done. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit. On uh, for February 4th, <clears throat> um, President Donald Trump, excuse me, no, Trump... Uh, <laughs> Yes, let's not. We, let's not do that. People. You're triggering I folks. know. I'm triggering myself. Um, so this idiot supported the trucker convoy and called our prime minister a far-left lunatic. And GoFundMe decided to actually um, halt the... Um, no, they took down the fundraising page, saying that it violated its terms of service. And at the same time, the fundraiser, fundraiser excuse me, had reached about $10 million dollars. Peeps, $10 million. That is insane. So now on February 5th, of course, the U.S. Republicans decided, okay, we're going to investigate GoFundMe for their decision to pull the plug on the fundraiser. This is what they're going to go and investigate. Um, uh, so there were there was still a lot of um, protests taking place in Quebec, Toronto, Vancouver, Halifax, and New Brunswick. I'm going to fast forward again. And as of now, actually... Um, the there's a class action lawsuit against the convoy by Ottawa residents because of the incessant honking and, and just the nastiness that's going on. So an injunction was actually granted to them for 10 days. Um, so we're actually seeing more movement from the Ottawa citizens themselves than the government and police. And we're still trying to figure out what's going on. So as you can see, there's been a lot taking place over the period. I've jumped a lot at, at, at certain points. But um, we'll definitely drop links so that you'll be able to read a little bit more in depth about what's taking place up here. And many um, are asking how we got to this point. But I think what's really interesting to me is how Canada allowed a convoy of right-winged white supremacists to literally take over our nation's capital. Like, literally. And we have yet to see any action. They're still there. <laughs> They're still there. Um I, I totally understand. I like. I I don't even know how to voice my disdain and just my. It's just I I don't get it. I I really I totally understand. I'm all for protesting and having your voice heard, but because this really it just completely turned on its axis, and has become such a disgusting and vile um, representation of. Um, another facet of Canada and its and its ugliness, and um, we're just like sitting here waiting to see how this is going to unfold, basically. So now, yeah. Just to be clear, you know, and also clear it up for our, our listeners, uh -huh. are these truckers are U.S. truckers or are these Canadian truckers who are right? Canadian. They're Canadian. Okay. Yeah. So they're not even you know crazy Americans. Like, this is y'all, no, sir. Your own crazy at home Canadian right wing folk. 
Wow. You can take a sticker and slap a Canadian flag on y'all people, and this is what you get. <laughs> it's it's a mirror. It's a mirror image. It's all of them all happy, la, la, la. And we have ours, y'all have yours. So, you know, again, when it comes to speaking about how, you know, Canada is y'all white hope, now, now you see, you see that the grass I mean, is not greener on the other side, y'all. So You're, you're breaking hearts here, AMC. You know that <laughs> that's like the dream of progressives everywhere, to flee the United States for Canada, to live in the promised nope. land of Canada. Canada, but now you're saying there is no promised land up there. There never was a promised land here, baby. Because even when, when, when my peoples came here, it was all about indentured servants. So no, it's never been a promised land. Mm-mm. They keep on wow. feeding us the hype, and drinking the Kool Aid, and doing all of that good stuff, right? And so, the president yeah. is not like. I mean, what is the president's stance on that? Your Canadian president stance. On our prime minister, our, our prime, prime minister. minister yeah has been giving all these lovely flowery speeches about how, you know, we're not intimidated and we don't appreciate how um, they've basically taken this and have turned it into something so, you know, so just completely wrong. And he's been going on, going on, but I'm like, okay, it's one thing to deliver these beautiful, lovely speeches, but what are you doing to protect your citizens? What are you doing... Um, you know, because this is not just, um, it's not just the, uh, what do you call it? It's it's not just affecting Parliament and um, Trudeau and the the federal government. A lot of these policies, too, are from provincial government. And here, each province has their own provincial government set up, and they make their own rules as they go. So we already have a few... Um, provinces that are going to be getting rid of the vaccination passport completely. Um, wow. So, yeah. So, but we're not. I'm, I'm in Ontario. We're not at that stage yet. But then again, our premier, whoo, whoo, don't, don't get people to start talking <laughs> about that one. Ford is a whole other story. I mean, you, you guys have already been privy to his brother, Doug, when he was alive. And so um, he's the one that was the whole crack and cocaine thing and yada, yada, yada. So we have his brother in office. You can't forget. (laughs) We have his brother in office now. And it's a hot mess. My vote didn't put him there, but it's a hot mess. So, yeah, we're just itching to to see where he's going to go. And hopefully it's out of office when, um, uh, you know, um, what do you call it? uh, Elections come along. Come around, so yeah, it's just it's well. I wish, I wish my neighbors up north, uh, uh, lots of thoughts and prayers (laughs) as y'all deal with your version of the Tea Party. Um, I'm sorry that uh, y'all are going through that, it sounds terrible. Um, well, and my own. So I'm going to try to see if I can do this quickly so we can be, try to be under an hour and a half for this episode. Um, mm-hmm. The white backlash against black progress continues unabated at a time when voting rights laws are regressing. Affirmative action is on the cusp of being legally repealed by our SCOTUS. And CRT prohibitions are under consideration in 35 states. The following was reported this week by the L.A. Times. And so it will not be a shock. People who say they are less of a fan now 
than they were five years ago are more likely, more than twice as likely as everyone else to say the NFL, the National Football League, is doing too much to show respect for its black players. So for those who may not understand what I just said, <laughs> there, are, there are people who are saying that they are not supporting the NFL as much as they were five years ago because they are showing too much respect. This is what they agreed to for black players. About one third of those surveyed nationwide said they are less of a fan now than they were five years ago compared to about one in eight who said they are bigger fans now. Now, these numbers aren't being driven by fans wanting Colin Kaepernick to get a chance to play ball again or because this sport causes CTE, you know, with long term brain damage for its gladiator players over time. No, no, to the contrary. By contrast, another controversy involving the NFL, its response to the risk of long-term brain injuries among players, shows no such pattern, according to the LA Times. Overall, 62% of Americans say that the league has not done enough to respond to that risk, compared to 27% who says it has done enough. Like, they're almost 30% say they've done enough around CTE. I haven't seen the NFL do anything I haven't around seen CTE. anything. <laughs> but, okay. And 5%, 5, 5% say they've done too much around CTE. I don't know how much you how you can do too much around protecting players from brain damage, but okay. Right. Those numbers don't vary significantly between those who say they are lesser fans than those who do not. So this isn't about the CTE thing or the Colin Kaepernick thing. This is literally just about race. The group who says they are now lesser fans is disproportionately, wait for it, people, brrr, Republicans, <laughs> the poll found. Surprise, surprise. So shocking. Um, by comparison, only one quarter of Democrats and independents who lean Democratic said that. Republicans were also significantly more likely to express disapproval of the league's efforts to show respect to black players and to promote black and other minority candidates for coaching jobs. Right. So they don't want them to coach among adults nationwide. Twenty two percent said they thought that the NFL was doing too much to show respect for black players. However, among Republicans and Republican leaning independents, that number shot up to forty five percent. In contrast, only five percent of Democrats and Democratic leaning independents held that view. Um, you know, 57% of Democrats said the league wasn't doing enough to show respect for black players, a view that was expressed by only 9% of Republicans, right? So what exactly is too much? Colin still can't play. The league still doesn't have equitable representation on its co coaching staffs. Mm -hmm. The league is spending some money with Jay-Z on black causes and Black Lives Matter, but that's about it. That doesn't impact game viewing, which is what we're talking about. And players aren't even kneeling in BLM protests anymore like they were a year ago. Right. So what exactly is the problem? What is the too much that they don't want to watch? How dare uppity Negroes demand their due, their respect, the respect of the league that they make billions of dollars for? How dare they remind us that their allegiance is to their racial and ethnic communities 
over white comfort and sports fantasies. I mean, really, AMC, what is the too much and how is there ever too much respect given anybody, anybody in this evil ass world? When I read that story, I, I, I had to actually put it down and come back to it because I was like, these people are unbelievable. And what is too much respect? What, what is that? Who came up with that? I, I, I was a little flabbergasted, man. I sat back and, and I shook my head and I came back right back to do your job. You got your money. Shut up and do your job. That's basically what it what it came down to, and the NFL was has always been that route, right? I think um, I I uh, football used to be a huge thing for me. That was something I did with my dad. Um, my dad was was nuts with the like balancing five TVs on top of each other before PIP, you know, and and like the remote here and pressing this to see the game at this and make sure, you know, it was all of that. Um, I've been a Giants fan from since I can remember, um, but I have not watched football um, in a very long time, and. Part of it was because I missed my dad and I can't do it. My dad passed away, so I, I can't do it anymore. But the other half for me was Colin. So once that happened, I was like, oh, is that how y'all going to play? I'm good. Haven't watched the game since. Have I watched a halftime show? I have. I'm not going to lie. And then I turned the channel. And I plan to do just that this weekend, too. <laughs> um, I will watch that halftime show and change the channel. Uh, these cats don't care they really don't care they never did care i kind of i see i was hoping for more from jay-z i i've seen yes a few things going on behind the scenes with you know helping with this helping with that but you're an nfl league you are huge and then you have this huge monster of an artist and philanthropist and businessman and you're only like covering two percent of you know any kind of of philanthropy or anything you want to even want to discuss when it comes to BLM because everything is so muted and you can't do this and you can't do that and you got to watch your back to do this and whatever and 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 as they said we there's too much you know respect so <laughs> it, it it you know it what are what are you guys doing what are they doing they're not doing enough to even warrant that kind of statement um it's it's perplexing really it's not again it's not something new uh it's the same message that's been thrown at us for years i think when colin started kneeling it made people actually raise an eyebrow and be like huh that makes sense because we weren't really thinking about that. Um, even when I watched Colin's Black and White on Netflix, that was an eye opener too because it's like, huh, okay, yeah, it it was it was well done, y'all. Watch it if you haven't. Uh, but yeah, the NFL is just on some bullshit. <laughs> just to put it plain and simple, they are on some bullshit. And for the Republicans and this. It's too much respect. That in itself will definitely 
keep me in my in my seat to be watching, you know, reruns of I don't know. I love Lucy rather than NFL <laughs> game. And, and don't get me wrong, I liked Lucy, you know, but right, you know, right. I, I'm not watching football anymore. I'm, well, I'm let me. So, a couple of things. One, I want to let folks know if they weren't aware, Spike Lee is um, directing a documentary about Colin Kaepernick. So, that's something that's in the works right now. Um, Didn't know that. So, there's some more things coming down the pike about Colin's story. And um, I'm going to push back a little bit on the Jay-Z piece. I feel like, you know, he's got, I think, something like $100 million out of the league towards these causes, towards BLM and other black causes. I mean, which, quite frankly, the the league wasn't going to do without his push. Um, Him and uh, Meek Mills have also done a lot around um, bail um, and, and a lot of the activism around police reform. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think ever since Harry Belafonte called out Beyonce and Jay-Z, not that they had no philanthropy before, but they've definitely kicked up their public facing philanthropy a lot after mm-hmm. that call out from the elder. Um, I mean, there's lots of things that I think the people can, can critique uh, both of them on, but I think that philanthropy these days would be a harder sell than it would have been maybe five to 10 years ago. Um but we'll see. You know, I think that, you know, as with Prince and Michael Jackson, a lot of people, we found out much more about their philanthropy after they died than we do. When yeah, they're alive. yeah. Well, so, I wasn't like chopping Jay-Z. I think that, no, I definitely agree with you on that point. I mean, where is the correlation between the NFL and what they had promised to do with Jay-Z? So it's like you have this huge component. You have Jay. Jay is about his philanthropy. He's about his shit. So mm. why aren't you doing more? Because you said this is what you were bringing Jay on to do. So why are we not seeing anything coming out from that agreement or that, you know, joining friendship? Yeah, that's fair. And and if, and if folks want to uh, push back on us about whether or not this is a racial issue, here's how that um, breakdown happened. Among white adults, almost 30% said the NFL was doing too much compared with 7% among Black adults, 19% among Latinos, and 11% among Asian Americans, right? I still want to know who the 7% of Black folks were. We need to disinvite them from the cookout. Um, The same ones marking with Trump. And we also need to, like, school... I mean, this 19% among Latinos, who are now the majority minority in this country, we might need... Or in the U.S., because I live in Mexico. (laughs) We might also need to... Uh, do some education with them because they lean in the wrong way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and that that's my just know. So this is my just know. I, I, this is ridiculous. Like, I, I'm still I'm trying to wrap my head around the idea of agreeing to a statement that says they're doing too much to respect Black players or too much to respect anybody. I mean, it's, it's also giving jealousy, Right. Like it's giving how dare these millionaires complain about anything, shut up and play ball. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, that's that's the world we live in. Our last segment, Stories You Tell. Um, (laughs) And this is when we open it up to stories our audience is telling. Now, y'all have y'all started giving us a lot of stuff and then y'all kind of slowed up the the spigot. We're going to need y'all to send these stories in. Your what the fuck stories, your funny stories, your salacious stories. They don't have to be real. They can be real or fake. Just let us know at the end of the story whether or not it's real or fake. 
And um, one page or less, it doesn't have to be long. Most of, most of them have been about a paragraph to two paragraphs. So um, you don't have to, you know, go long, but give us your stories. We want to tell your stories, child. We want to have a whole episode of just stories. Oh, so, boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this the, the foundation of the Gibson Gazette is story. Uh, so do you want to read this week's story or do you want me to read it? I don't mind. I'll, I'll give it a whirl. Go I'll, ahead and I'll, let us let us know. Give us your best audible. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> so here we go, peeps. A good friend of mine in a warehouse and logistics. Sorry. Huh? Oh, is I'm jumping now out. You know, right you have to fix the I'm messing up. Now, you know, you don't have to fix the people's grammar. And also, we have to give these people a fake name. Uh, so who's, what's the fake name that submitted the story? That's right. Okay, so let's go with Jashan. All right, Jashan. Jashan. So let's start this again. A good friend of mine is a warehouse and logistics consultant. Mid-30s, cishet male, HBCU alum, Chicago native, and plays the executive game. Well... Yeah, he plays it well, but <laughs> pro-black militant in his private life. For the sake of the story, as I said, we'll call him J- Deshaun. So last year, Jay was contracted to restructure a warehouse pr- purchased by a client somewhere in middle America, requiring him to move to a Padonk town for a year. Okay, so what? Please indulge me. What's a Padonk town? Oh, Podunk Town is like a, a, a trash town in the middle of nowhere. Okay, <laughs> Dead in town. I just wanted to make sure that's what I thought, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I didn't want to assume. Okay. It's all good. <laughs> Lo and behold, um, the, his company rented a house for him right next to the original white trash MAGA couple. Oh, great. So we'll call him... We'll call them Bubba and Becky. Not their real names, though. I assure you their real names are just as stereotypical on the nose. So there has been several run-ins between Jay and said couple, starting with an altercation due to the BLM sign and black, red, and green American flag that Jay installed on his front lawn. He was tired of looking at the Confederate and Trump flags that he watched waving over their front lawn for weeks. Since he's been there, the police have been called seven times. Two times, seven, seven, drama. Two times because of run-ins between Jay and Bubba. The other five due to domestic altercations between the MAGA couple. The couple regularly fights, which provides Jay with entertainment on those lonely, boring nights in that Padunk town where he has no (laughs) friends. Wow, okay. Wow, if that's entertainment, I don't know, man. Over the past few months, Jay has endured the couple's racial slurs and racially motivated remarks. One evening last summer, Jay decided to sit in his backyard with a bottle of whiskey to soothe himself after a phone conversation with his ex-girlfriend. An attempt to reconcile turned into a bad argument. While sipping his whiskey, he was greeted by Becky from the fence on her backyard. You know what I'm seeing? Mm. Boomerang, Eddie Murphy, Tisha Campbell (laughs) over the fence. While sipping sipping his whiskey, he was greeted by Becky from the the fence line of her backyard. Apparently, she and Bubba just had a bad fight, and Bubba left the house for the evening. 
She then asked to come over and share in his session of somber drinking. Mm, you know where this is going. His loneliness got the best of him, and he decided to oblige her request. This evening of hurt feelings and whiskey culminated into awkward, unprotected sex between Becky and Jay, where she couldn't forego racial re- remarks even while being penetrated by a black man. Wow. Woo! <laughs> and he went through with after- it, though. But he went through he with sure it. Did, That's the shame. That- he went through with it. That whiskey was talking. It was talking. That self-hate was talking, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) In the aftermath of whiskey and bad decisions, you bet your bottom dollar, Becky continued to try and speak privately with Jay, to which he actively avoided her. Then the realization came when the couple had friends over, and Jay overheard the celebratory sounds of, Congratulations! Becky was pregnant. No, ma'am, Pam. Jay has not spoken to Becky since their encounter. And though he hasn't certain, he's sorry, he isn't certain he is the father of the growing fetus. He's certain if he is, by the time the child is born, his tenure there will have ended months prior. He will no longer be a resident of Podem. He's currently researching ways to make himself difficult to find when he leaves there. Wow. So let's unpack this. You know, so this always the ones that are pro-black militant that's doing the backies. (laughs) 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 Now, I've already stated I'm not anti-interracial relationship, but this is a Becky who's clearly racist. So, like, what are you doing? Mm. You know, she don't respect you. She think you're trash. She think you're only good for sex. You're just a giant dick as far as she's concerned. Like, ew. Yuck. And um, I would love to be a fly on the wall to see Bubba's face in the delivery room once that black baby comes out. <laughs> it's giving very tragic mulatto story. Um, <laughs> you know, like, uh, that, was all, that was always the telltale. What's the baby going to be? Um, uh-huh. You know what the what's the color? And you know, but with black folks, we might come out real light, but we might darken within a few months after that. So you can't even trust what it looks like at birth. True. Um, yeah, I. Um, so what do you but here's think? the thing. What well, you know? Here's the thing that I always worry about too. When mm-hmm. I hear these stories about people who live next door to racists, and you buy property, like, so you know, I, I'll ask you: Is that something you would? be investigating before you purchased your home? You know, what's the neighborhood giving around race? Or would you just not care? You know, you like the house, that's your dream house, you're going to buy the home, fuck the neighbors. Like, what are, what are your thoughts on that? That's that's tough. For me, personally, I'm, I'm a researcher girl. I will knock on doors. Um, I'm very, yeah, I'm that chick. I'm, I'm very, my, you know what, when I was, younger my mom used to always tell me know who's living on top on bottom and beside you because even if the person says you know good morning and fuck you at least you know they're an asshole if you knock on the door and you ask for sugar and they give it to you you know they're good people 
if the person doesn't want to come out of their house and always looks at you through the people, you know, they're a serial killer, you know, to stay away. You know what I mean? So you always know what you're dealing with. And I've always been that chick. I will go to the doors downstairs and knock and be like, hi, I just moved in. How are you? My name is Anne, blah, blah, blah. So I know your face, (laughs) mostly because I need to protect my ass first. And then everything else is great. So thankful that I just, I just moved in July. I'm in a gray area and I know all of my neighbors all the way down the hall. I'm not playing. I am not playing. No, so I'm the opposite of you. I, <laughs> I don't know I my neighbors. I, I don't know, know my neighbors here. I knew my next door neighbor directly to my left and a little mm-hmm. bit to my right. But that was, I mean, when I and I lived in that house for like seven years. I like, guess it's crazy. Like, and I knew the ones directly to my left because whenever I would be, you know, my dog would use the backyard and his dog would use the backyard, and so we would see each other you know, on our landings and speak to each other. And then there was also an incident where he did something stupid that ended up having my dog escape the house, escape the backyard. But anyway, um, that's another story for another time. Um, Yeah, I'm not one to make nice with my neighbors. Because I feel like if I am too friendly, then that gives them license to come knocking on my door and, you know, want (laughs) to talk or borrow stuff. And I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I'm not like that. I don't. I don't. I'm not that. I'm not that neighbor. Um, you know, I don't do pop ups. I don't do pop ups with friends. So I'm definitely not doing pop ups with the neighbors. Um, no, so I yeah, I mean, but I, but I think that there would have been some signifiers. Now in this instance, he didn't buy. You know, I went back to the story. He rented. I mean, his his company rented the his house for did. him. Right. I still the second I realized what that situation was giving, I went to my company and saying, you know, this isn't going to work out. I'm going to have to move out. I don't know if y'all can give me a difference or whatever, but I just couldn't be living next to all of that. Now, I realized no. our ancestors who were breaking, you know, race, breaking racial barriers in these neighborhoods went through a whole lot more. God bless them. I'm built different. <laughs> my, my house is sanctuary. My house is peace. I can't have all of that going on next door, um, you know, causing drama and issues. The second I saw the Confederate flag outside, I'd have already known this is not people that I can um, yeah, be no. around or, or talk to. And the second we start having altercations, it really, because all I see is escalation from there. Racial slurs? Um, yeah, I'm not about that. I mean, in yeah. no shade, we live in a time where people are doing murder suicides left and right. I, I just don't be playing with folks. Um, so now I guess we can ask the final question. Is this mm-hmm. story true or false? What do you think? Tell me. Um, I think that I think there are elements to the story that I've seen before that makes me believe it could be true. Mm-hmm. What about you? I kind of agree because of the drama. The the, the yeah, there's certain certain you know, and especially now in this day and age with black the the BLM signs, and we've seen how that's already gone down. So this sounds very similar to a lot of different stories that we've heard already. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised at all. So let me scroll down and see what the answer is, y'all. You know, we don't really know if it's like true or false until we kind of like you know read it here for you and the story is you already it's false (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, whoever wrote it, uh, thank you for giving us a juicy story that we could, I mean, because it did raise questions for us to consider. Um, right. So we love that kind of story. And it was a hot mess. And we love mess. We're like, we're in the rear. <laughs> As you all can hear this entire podcast. Right. Yeah, we, we like mess. We love mess. So, um, oh my God. so remember, people, send us your stories. We'll read them on air on our podcast. And um, with that, we are at the end of our show. Yeah. And um, thank you for visiting. Make, make sure you like, follow, subscribe share comment you know comments help us uh rise to the top we like to rise to the top we were number one for like two or three weeks in a row i think um on podomatic's uh entertainment news which i'm now like worried i'm like is there only like 10 entertainment news on podomatic why do we always number one (laughs) like at first it felt like a really big thing but now i'm wondering is it like five Five podcasts that are calling themselves the same why news. That's why we keep. Like <laughs> That's why we're always number why? one. Because <laughs> you I, that good, damn it! I don't know. The, not, our our YouTube numbers don't look like that. So, um, but maybe our. Oh, so this is also one more thing. So a lot of people have commented that they can't find us on Spotify. Um, we had some technical issues with Spotify and end up having to pull the um, our show from it, the platform. We were going to resubmit it, but now we're kind of questioning because of what's going on with Spotify. Um, we haven't made a decision yet, but for now, we're not on the Spotify platform. We are on Amazon, Apple, Google, Podomatic, Deezer, tons of other places you can find us other than Spotify. Also free, right? Like the Apple podcast is free. So right. is um, so is Podomatic. So you don't have to pay to see you know to listen to our show, um, at least not at this time. <laughs> so uh, you've been so warned. You've been you know hopefully you'll make us so successful that we have a Patreon situation. Um, but but no, for now, um, folks, we're not on Spotify. We may return. We just you know y'all have been paying attention to what's been happening with Joe Rogan and India Irie and. All of that. And maybe we'll talk on our next show or maybe we'll talk through our um, Twitter spaces about that issue and get your thoughts and feelings about it. Um, I still haven't canceled my Spotify personal account. Um, um, But, yeah, it's it's a it's complicated situation. Yeah, I'm thinking about it as well. But I also am like and I don't want us going to too long on this. I'm also kind of like it's not like Joe Rogan's the only racist podcast on these platforms. It's not like there aren't other platforms, you know, if so you switch to Google or you switch to Apple, there are other right-wing, conservative, anti-black, anti-gay, anti-women mm-hmm. podcasts on those platforms. And so um, Joe Rogan isn't even the most egregious of those. He's just the one that got called out. So, right. um, you know, if it's in terms of like our resources supporting things that we don't want to support, I totally get that aspect of it, but our resources support.